Step out of the shadows Step out of the grave Break into the wild And don't be afraid Run into wide open spaces Graces waiting for you Dance like the weight has been lifted Graces waiting where the spirit Spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Graces waiting. Run into wide open spaces. Graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Graces waiting. Run Spaces, places, waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Places, waiting where the spirit of the Lord is. There 
seated. Welcome to church tonight. We're glad that you are here on this Saturday night. Boy, what a beautiful day. Y'all must really love Jesus to be in church on an evening like tonight. We're glad you're here. Don't forget to check in on Facebook or the social media of your choice just to let people know you're here. And it's just a great way to get the word out about Salem Fields. If you're a first-time guest tonight, we welcome you to church. And we're really glad you're here. There's a table as you leave that says... First time guests, we'd love for you to stop there. We got a little gift for you, and uh, that's about all that will be is just a little gift for you, get a little information, not so that we'll pester you, just so that we know uh, that you're here and we can acknowledge that. Also, there's a connection card in your program. We'd love for everyone to fill that out. It's a place for, for prayer requests and other information you need, and uh, you can drop that in the offering bucket as it comes by tonight. And uh, speaking of offering bucket, we're going to take our offering here soon. And uh, you can do that tonight in many ways. You can do that with cash, a check. Uh, you can go out to the kiosk and give. Uh, you can give online. You can give on your app. Y'all know as well as I know how you can give, right? So just go on there and give. And uh, if you're online, you push that little green button. We welcome you too. If you're worshiping online tonight, you just push the little green button and it'll take you through the process of giving. Just a couple things to let you know about is our Blue Star Moms. You'll see the Blue Star Mom boxes. You can't miss them. They're blue. And uh, they're, uh, we're gathering uh, gifts for active military, for those that are serving abroad. And uh, we'll be partnering with the Blue Star Moms. And so you can grab that uh, list that's on the box and bring your stuff in as soon as uh, possible. That would be great. We have classes tomorrow that you want to be aware of. Uh, and you can do that tomorrow right following the Let's see, 11 o'clock service, and, uh, and there will be food and child care, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's just a way for you to uh, get connected further to Salem Fields and to grow spiritually in your spiritual walk, and we'd love for you to connect in that, and uh, we have some really good teachers that are waiting for you to be there and show up. So I know you have to come back tomorrow, but it would be worth your time, and also Go Saturdays coming up, and there's a table out in the foyer. Uh, some opportunities to do some mission work in our community. And uh, Kelly has a table set up that you can find out more information about that and sign up there. Okay, let's continue to worship together. Save it. 
have a living hope? Yes. The tomb is empty. Amen. He's alive and well. We're not, our Savior is not dead in the grave, but he's alive and well, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we can celebrate that together tonight. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful tonight that we have a living hope. Father, in this day and time, we need hope. Lord, it leaks out on us. And Father, we realize tonight 
that you are our living hope. We don't put our hope in material things, Lord. We don't put our hope in other people. We don't put our hope in government. We don't put our hope in anything other than the living hope, Jesus Christ. And we thank you tonight, Lord, that we can trust you, that we can approach your throne of grace and mercy with full confidence, knowing full well that, God, you can empathize with us and you hear our prayer. And so, God, we thank you tonight. And I just pray, Lord, that you will just fill this place tonight with your spirit. I pray, God, that you will be with those that are worshiping online tonight, that, Lord, they would sense your presence and and join in in a real way, Father, not just by watching, but by participating and open their hearts, Lord, to receive just like we're here tonight, to receive all that you have for us. Bless our dear friend, Lynn. We pray you bless him tonight as he comes, Lord, to share the message with us. We're excited and anticipating, God, what you're going to do in our lives tonight uh, because of your willing servant. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Hey, we got a real treat tonight. Um, Lynn Sweet, you've heard us talking about him. He's been here before. How many of you have been here before when Lynn Sweet's been here before? Well, some of you have been. That's good. And Well, Lynn's back. Lynn is an author. He's one of the most sought-after speakers in the uh, Christian world, and uh, he is a great guy, and uh, he's a father and a, and a husband, a speaker, author, professor, president. I mean, he's got it all. And uh, I tell you what, Gay and I are privileged to call him friend. And Lynn, we're glad to have you here tonight. So you can come right on up here and share your heart. Would you make him feel like he's really welcome here? Because he really is. There you go. Little shout out. Anyway, Lynn traveled all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast to be here. And Lynn, we thank you for that. We appreciate it. Great to be here. Grace to you and peace, sisters and brothers. I'm the one who is, the one who was. And the one who is to come. Good evening, saints. Good evening, evening, sinners. We're all here. (laughs) And all that we are is here. And I am delighted to be here and uh, to be with you. I I just uh, count Gay and Buddy as some of my best friends. And and now they visited me this summer and they brought Gracie. And I fall in love with Gracie. Can I get a witness to this? Man, what a a treat uh, to be be a friend of hers now. So thank you for gifting me with, with, that, uh, with that special grace, um, that chorus, that charity. I, uh, I want to do a little experiment tonight. How many of you know John 3.16? Okay, let's try and say it together. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have... Okay, now we all said that in the same translation in unison. Think how amazing that is. Okay, John 3.17, let's keep going. That's John 3.15. John 3.17, let's keep going. That's John 3.15. See, now we all got the same problem. It's called, you ready? Versitis. Okay? We know the Bible in a sliced and diced up way, but we really have not been taught to tell the whole story, to know it as one story. See, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. A guy named John Calvin did that. He's the one that first produced what's called the Geneva Bible, and he, he provided all the chapters and the verses. And slice. The Bible was written in poem. It was written in letters. It was written in songs. And I don't know about you, it was written in stories. I memorized all these Bible verses. Have any of us ever memorized an entire Bible story? Okay. This is the, so we're in a, we're not in the natural default of the scriptures. In fact, I've done two church plants in my life. If I were ever to do a third, I'd have one requirement for membership. You know what it would be? You stand before your brothers and sisters and you got 10 minutes to tell the whole story from Genesis to the maps. (laughs) Tell me the whole story, 10 minutes in your own word. Now we know the whole, because we, the Bible is the greatest story, what? Never told. Because we don't know it as a story. 
In fact, you can tell it in a variety of ways. Um, Genesis, we have two creation accounts. How many Gospels do we have? Four. What's the earliest one? Matthew? See, the Bible's not written in chronological order. If the Bible were written in chronological order, the first book in the New Testament written would be 1 Thessalonians. That would be a strange New Testament, wouldn't it? We open it up and you first come to 1 Thessalonians. So we have two creation accounts, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. The earliest one is the second one. And the first metaphor of the Bible in the second one is dirt, earth. I can tell you the whole story from Genesis to the maps with that one metaphor of dirt. Second metaphor is, and God sent water to rise up from. The second metaphor is what? Water. I can tell you the whole story from Genesis to the maps with that one metaphor, water. Tonight we're going to do, we're going to try, we're not going to tell the whole, well, pretty much the whole story with one metaphor, but it's a food item. Now when you think of food items in the Bible, what are some of the food items? Think of food. What do you think of? Wine, okay. <laughs> it's a Nazarene group. It's very unusual Nazarene group, but I'll tell you, okay. Yeah, I learned, I come out of the Free Methodist and Pilgrim Holiness. Anybody ever know those groups? We learned Jesus turned water into grape juice. And, you know, that's how we learned. <laughs> so, at any rate, so you got, you got bread, you got wine. What other food? Food items, huh? Lamb, yeah, lamb. Fish. Honey, yeah. Manna, that's the mystery meat. Yeah, we don't know, we don't know what food that is, but quail. quail? Yeah, what else? Figs. Huh? Figs, big fig stories. Yeah. Anything else? Huh? Oh, yeah. Olive oil. Yeah. Well, in fact, the Garden of Gethsemane is really the Olive Garden. See, the world's stealing our best lines, and we don't know we have them. You know? They named a whole restaurant after where Jesus spent his last night. Okay, so I want to give you another one. It's one of the most important ones in the whole Bible. But we don't think in story form. We think in word form. Um, we don't think in story. Um, but here's a key food item important to the whole story. And... It's going to sound strange when I tell you. Almonds. Go, what? What did I say? Almond. You say, where? What? Okay. Here's a story that you all know. We're going to put it up there in just a minute. This is the numbers story. But the you ever wonder why those children of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the desert? Do you know how close the promised land was to the desert? It's just like over a mountain range, you know? But God said, you're spending 40 years, that's two generations, wandering in the desert. You know why? They were such a complaining, griping. God had to get them out of the gene pool. You know, so it took, two, it took two generations to get them out of the gene pool, but they finally did, and so now you can go to the promised land. But um, we, we have a time when they were just so complaining and so griping and, and so fighting with one another that God says, I'm tired of it. Moses says, I can't take it anymore. And so God says, we're going to settle this. So I want you to get every leader of every tribe, and I want you to put... Have him put his name on a staff. And then we're going to put it in the tent of meeting. Well, let's read this together. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and get 12 staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. On the staff of Levi, though, write Aaron's name, for there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe. Place them in the tent of meeting in front of the Ark of the Covenant, where I meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout and I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. So Moses spoke to the Israelites, and their leaders gave him 12 staffs, one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the covenant law. In other words, the tabernacle. 
Moses placed the staffs before the Lord, the tent of the covenant of the Lord. The next day, Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the tribe of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed, and produced Then Moses brought all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. So, wait a minute. So you know the rest of the story. So Aaron's rod was not a rod. It wasn't a cane. It was a almond branch. Read, read on here. Um, put Aaron's staff. They, they did it. Um, the Israelites said to Moses, we will die. We're lost, blah, blah, blah. They're still complaining. They just won't. You see, they got to get out of the gene pool. So Aaron's rod is not a rod. It's not a cane. You need to get it right. We need to get this right. We need to see it, especially in this culture where everything, if you are not reading the Bible and turning it into a motion picture in your mind, you're not reading it for this culture. Because this culture has to what? See it. It's got to become cinematic. So it's not just a rod. It's a almond branch, but it's specific. This is the inspired, authoritative, infallible what? But, it, but every detail matters. So this, the details are, go back, put it here. It says very specifically, go, go back to the first uh, panel here, the, the first one. Um, the, okay, go to the second. Okay. Okay. The next day Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron's staff had not only sprouted, but had what? Budded and produced. Now, almond is the pit, like of a peach tree. It's not, uh, it's not a vegetable. It's a fruit. It's not a nut. It's a fruit. It's the pit of a fruit tree, and the fruit produces an almond. Let's, let's see an almond tree here. Just put up an almond tree so you can look at one. There's an almond tree, and it, it's called the, the almond tree is called the awakening tree, also known as the alpha and the omega tree, because it is the first one to bud, and it's the last one to fruit. So you get the buds like in the middle of winter. It awakens, like it awakens the world that spring is coming, there's hope, there's renewal, and so it's the first one to bud. It'll bud in the middle of December sometimes, right in the middle of even snow, but it doesn't produce the fruit until like August. So it's the first to bud and the last to Fruit, hence the alpha and the omega tree, the awakening tree. Now, again, this is important to the story. You've got to trust the story. You've been taught to trust the words. I'm telling you, trust the story. Because this is the inspired, authoritative, infallible what? Story of God. So here we have the, the almond, but Aaron's rod is an almond branch that has on it buds, blossom, and almonds, the fruit. Okay. How important was Aaron's rod to the people of, he, of the Israels, the Israelites, the, people, the Hebrew? How important? How do you know how important it was? Very. Very, Okay. But give me a picture. How, where's the picture that shows you how very important it was? Bingo. Just say it louder. So. Placed in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, it wasn't just in front. It was in it. What, what? The three holiest items in Hebrew history and in the Hebrew faith were put in the Holy of Holies, which... Only the high priest went in once a year, remember? And what is in the Ark of the Covenant? Manna? The Ten Commandments? And Aaron's rod. But again, it's not Aaron's rod. What's in the Ark of the Covenant? And almond bread that has on it buds, blossom, and the flower with this little pit of that core that you eat like a peach. Okay. Hmm. 
Well, what is outside? Okay, you can picture this. You got the Ark of the Covenant. Um, we're going to talk about the Ark tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm doing three different sermons. He's got me doing three different sermons. Can you believe it? So we're going to talk about the Ark tomorrow. But I want you to picture it tonight. So right outside, what, what covers the Holy of Holies and separates it from the adjoining room, the next room of holiness, is a veil. veil. Yeah. So the veil of the temple, now you got to picture this. The Bible tells us exactly what the, how, how thick the veil. It says it's as thick as a man's fist. So you figure four to five inches thick. Um, tightly woven of all the basic elements of the earth, earth, wind, water, fire. And, okay, but what's right outside that veil? Hmm. In the next level of holiness. Well, let's, let's go to Exodus 25. Make a lampstand out of pure gold, hammer out its base and shaft and make it flower-like cups. What? Buds and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand. Three on one side, three on the other. Three cups shaped like flowers with what? And blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud should be under the first pair of branches, extending from the lampstand. The second, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be one piece with a lampstand hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps, because you've got the one in the middle. So you've got three on the side, one in the middle, and set them up on it. So they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold, and it's always to be lit. Wait a minute. The golden lampstand is not just a lampstand. It's an almond tree. One piece. The base, the bark, and the branches. And you see here the buds, the blossoms, and the flower itself, which is the almond flame, which is to always be lit. And what does it light up? It lights up the veil, which covers the Ark of the Covenant, which is where there's another almond branch. So the two holiest spaces in the Hebrew tradition and the two, one of the two most sacred items in their faith are almond branches. But notice how specific it is. Everyone has to have on it a bud, blossom, and a flower, which is a flame. Now, how important was this to the Hebrew people? Well, it's there in the Ark of the Covenant. Well, let me give you, we could just find, we could just keep going through the scriptures, but let me give you just one. Here's Jeremiah 1. Words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests, Anathoth, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, or I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Because the Lord called Jeremiah and said, I want you. You see, every time God does this in the Bible, the person that God's calling says, oh, thank you, Lord. I, that's, where I scored, that's where I scored highest on my spiritual gifts inventory. Really? No, God doesn't call us the point of our greatest strength. God put, calls us for greatness at the point of our greatest weakness. You ever see a weakness inventory? No, I've never seen one either. There, there doesn't one exist. See, you, you bless others naturally through the gifts God has given us, but you bless others supernaturally through the weaknesses because God's strength is made perfect where? In our weakness. So we don't even know our own story. And so God says to Jeremiah, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. The Lord reached out his hand, touched my tongue. Sometimes it says tongue, some say mouth. 
and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah says what? And then God says, here's the real translation, good eyes. <laughs> really, really is what it says. Good eyes. No, see, he sees what? Aaron's rod. So the, the mantle of Aaron is now on him, and he, he is to go forth and carry that mantle. That, so you start seeing the, well, wait a minute. What is the symbol of the Hebrew people? What is the symbol of the Jewish faith? You, you think it's the Star of David, but it's not. The Star of David is a symbol of the Israel nation. The symbol of the Jewish people is called the menorah, which is basically what? Almond tree. Now, all the early Christians, basically all of them, come out of Judaism. So they are used to the almond, and they're used to the symbol of the almond. Now, you have seen thousands of times the symbol of the almond in paintings and pictures. You've just never seen it before. But I'm going to point you out in just a minute and show you where it is. Um, but when you see in paintings, you all know this, when you see a live saint, it has, I mean a dead saint, it has over its head what's called a halo. A, a live saint has a square. That's how you know whether the person's living or dead in the painting. If it's living, they have a square headpiece. If they're dead, they have a round halo. If it's not a person, but it's a moment, a significant moment, they are encased in an almond, and it's called a mandorla. And there you see it right there. You see it everywhere. You've seen it. Most of the crashes, most of the Madonna scenes, most of the Christmas scenes are encased in this. See this almond shape? You see it? It frames the picture. It's a holy scene. A holy person gets a circle. A holy scene gets a it's called, you're going to learn it some Italian tonight, mandorla. Can you all say that? Mandorla is the Italian word for almond. And so you have all these mandorlas in Christian art. You've seen this thousands and thousands of times. It just hasn't registered. because. And here's the here's a mandorla of Jesus and the four Gospels. Each one of the Gospels has an image, um, uh, an animal image to go with it. But I want to show you how a mandorla is formed, because this is key to the story. Um, this is how you form a mandorla. You take two opposites and you bring them together, and in the middle, you overlap them and you create this almond shape. It's called the sweet spot. I began this evening with a mandorla. Good evening, saints. Good evening. I brought two opposites together. And all of you here tonight, if you're in the sweet spot of the Spirit, you are living what it means to be at the same time in the eyes of God, both saint and sinner. God is one. We believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are monotheists. We believe in one God, the Father of us all. You with me? We also believe that God is three. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. So what's the truth? Is God one and a half? You bring the God is one and the God is, and you do what? Mandorla them. You bring them together and you live out of the sweet spot. And that's where the holiness is found in that sweet spot of the Spirit. You want to be first? You got to be. God wants you to be first, but in order for you to be first, you also got to be last. So what do you live? You live out of, with Christ I can do, but without Christ I can do. 
See, you live out of that mandorla law of bringing them both together at the same time. You want to be exalted? You got to be humble. Jesus is always living out of that mandorla. I'm the prince of peace, and I come bringing a sword. See, he's always bringing these opposites together. I want you to be as wise as a serpent. And he stops there. I want you to be, what's, how, what's the life of faith? You live out of the mandorla, that middle spot. Now, so this is the essence, this is how Jesus is always bringing opposites together. He's always, I say, he always comes in stereo, you know. If you're only hearing one thing, you're not hearing Jesus, because he's always, in fact, the greatest symbol of this is this. You bring, God is transcendent. God is vertical. God is holy other. God is so far beyond my little two-pound box of brains. Your three-pound box of brains can begin to imagine God's basic category is infinite. And I'm, my basic category and yours is finite. We can't even understand the concept of infinite. So therefore, what did Meister Eckhart say? Everything I say about God is wrong because I have no category in which God is true to God. Wait a minute. But if you're only hearing that, you're not hearing the whole truth. You're in a, uh, a very dangerous half-truth because you know what? I know all I need to know about who God is because God is not just vertical. God is, or God is not just transcendent. God is imminent. God became what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God. What's God's middle name? With. God became with us. So if I know Jesus, if I just follow him, he will take me all the way to the Father. Okay? Heresy is a cross uncrossed. You gotta live in the Mandora. You gotta live the life of the cross. Saint, sinner. Not one or the other. Um, Jesus is fully divine but he's fully human. The earliest symbol of the Christians, which were all Jewish, but these were Jewish followers of Jesus, here it is. It's the mandorla with a tail that opens up into a new future. And hence the rest. Remember Paul Harvey? And now you know the rest of this. Some of these kids have no idea what we just did. <laughs> Will you parents please explain to what RuPaul Arby is? Anyway, okay, now you say, well, okay, well, what is though the... So if we are called to live the sweet spot where we bring, let me tell you, the very best in me is but a hair's breadth distance from the very worst in me. When you bring them together and you live out of that, how God can turn the very worst into the very best. As you live that, we still got to figure out what in the world. Because this is the inspired authoritative story. And every detail counts. Why the buds? Very specifically, in both of these, you got to have buds there. You got to have blossoms there. And you got to have the fruit there that I want to keep going all the time. And the Hebrew tradition says this. This is what the Jewish theologians have argued and maintained is the meaning. And I think they're exactly right. God cares about your fruit. God expects us all to what? Be fruitful and multiply. And one day we're going to be held account for show me your fruit. But God also cares not just about your fruit. 
God also cares about your buds and your blossoms. And one day, God's going to say, not just show me the fruit, but where are your buds? Where are your blossoms? See, if you're only planting seed that you will see the fruit of in your lifetime, it's not good enough. You are not planting for the future. In the Bible, God is a multi-generational God, the God of Abraham. And it stops there, right? No, the God of Abraham and Jacob. We have a multi-generational God, and God is expecting us. What are you planting now that you will never see in your lifetime? You can never hope to see in your lifetime, but if you're really fortunate, maybe you'll see it come to bud. Or if you're really, really gifted and blessed, something you planted today, you may even see not just bud, but what are show me your buds show me your blossoms oh and if you're really gifted and blessed you'll have a bunch of fruit but it's not just about the fruit it's about the buds Anybody planting trees knows that you will never see many of the trees you will plant right today, you will never even see come to fruit, fruition, because it takes seven to ten years for some of these trees to bear fruit. But you plant them now because you will, maybe if you're really fortunate, live to see them. But a couple of years ago, I was asked by the Salvation Army to come to. Uh, London, their worldwide headquarters, and they wanted to do me to do spend a day with, with uh, all of their heads of each continent to do some futuring and uh, help them prepare for what's coming. And so the person that asked me, um, I said, you know, it's a long way to travel for one day. Let's go from Seattle to London, and you know what it's like to get on and off the island where I live. So. I said, I will, give, I will do this for one day on one condition, that you let me have supper with General Linda Bond. And here's a picture of General Linda Bond, um, who's the head of the Salvation Army worldwide. She's the general. In fact, when she's, whoever's the general of the Salvation Army, the whole, all the armies. Uh, property and everything rests in that one person. So this person immediately becomes one of the richest people in the world. Now it's all owned by Salvation Army, so it's only a, a titular thing, but it's interesting. They only hold the office for one year. And it's just one year and they get a new general. So uh, they said, well, she's the one that invited you, so I'm sure she will be glad for you to, to have dinner with you, but why is this so important? I said, well, I'll explain it to her when I get there. So we, we spent the day, we had a good day together, and at the end of the day, we were both kind of tired. We settled into this restaurant that was right near the world headquarters, and we both ordered steak. Now, she's about five foot tall, and, um, and she got a, I don't know how this happened, but I was really hungry, and I got this little tiny steak, and she got this big steak. So the whole meal, I'm coveting her steak. How can I say? I'm just, so that's one of the things I remember is, she's got the biggest steak I've ever seen. Anyway. So we're having a nice time. She goes, why in the world is it so important you meet with me? And I said, well, let me tell you, General. Um, I want to know how you established a relationship with somebody who was willing to hand you over a $2.2 billion check. The largest gift in the history of philanthropy. $2.2 billion. It was a check that Joan Crock the wife of Ray Kroc, the founder of, gave before her death because she wanted to invest in the Salvation Army. And I said, but I know that she didn't give this to the Salvation Army. She, you, people don't give institutions. They give to people. So why did she give this to you? What did, how did, tell me the backstory. There's got to be a backstory. She said, no, no, no. 
say, first of all, you know, it wasn't 2.2 billion, it was 1.86 billion. And I said, oh, well, I heard it was 2.2. We said, well, by, by the time we actually started using it, it had, you know, the second most powerful force in the universe, the most powerful force in the universe is the Holy Spirit. The second, compound interest, just saying, you know. <laughs> so that compound interest had led it to 2.2 billion. So she said, but, but anyways, uh, so it was really 1.6 billion. But she really didn't give it to me. She gave it because she loved the Salvation Army. I said, no, no, General Bond, she had to have a relationship with you that enabled her to give that because that's a lot of money to trust to somebody, and you don't give it to somebody you don't trust. She trusted you enough to take that check and to deal with it responsibly. Tell me the backstory. She said, well, it did, our relationship did change when she found out I was the 17th child of a miner, a coal miner. She's from England. And I said, oh, well, why would that matter to Joan Kroc? I'm sure she's, you know, rich people marry rich people, right? She said, no, no, Joan Kroc was a nightclub singer. In fact, she was the daughter of a pianist. And uh, Ray Kroc fell in love with her, and, and there's another story there. But um, when she was growing up, she was very poor. Her mother couldn't make enough living by playing the piano and teaching piano lessons, and, and there wasn't really a male in the, in, the, in the picture very much. So they really were eking out an existence, just barely. But some of her earliest memories was on sat Friday night, a Salvation Army officer would come to their house and bring two bags of groceries. And when he did, her whole week changed because she knew there would be enough food. She knew she'd have to worry about her brothers and sisters. She knew her mother would be okay. And so this relief of having the Salvation Army officer come. And sometimes, General Bond said, the Salvation Army would, officer would get on the floor and play with the kids and just kind of be a good presence with them. And I said, well... Wasn't that a little strange? She said, yeah, you're really supposed to go to the place and pick it up. But for some reason, he felt that his family was too proud to come and get the food, and he would bring it to them. And I said, so, really, General Bond? It wasn't you who brokered this gift. It was that Salvation Army officer. She said, yeah, that's right, when, when Joan Kroc was a little kid. I said, so he's really the one responsible for this $2.2 billion gift. She goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Do you know his name? Oh, no, we don't know his name. Do you know anything about him? No, we don't know anything about him. So do you think he knew what he was doing? She said, no, I'm sure he died like every other Salvation Army officer, just thinking he had just done what a, every Salvation Army officer did. If you've only got dreams big enough for your lifetime, your dreams are not big enough. If you're only planting for what you will see in your lifetime, you are not planting big enough. Here's a Salvation Army officer who just trusted God to take the seeds he was planting without knowing that one day he, he didn't even see buds. He wasn't even blessed with a bud. But one day, his seeds and planting would not just bud and not just blossom, but they would lead to the fruit of the biggest gift in the history of philanthropy. You pray with me, Lord. We have people here tonight. Help them to realize they're planting for the future. They're not just planting for themselves. They're planting for generations to come and multiple generations to come and even four, five, six, seven generations to come. Lord, we probably have four generations here tonight. Help them to plant, to imagine what it's like to plant for the Abraham, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, and all the generations to come after that. Lord, give us a bigger dream. Give Salem Fields a bigger dream of the future. What is possible here as these, these seeds that are planted now, they might blood and they might blossom. And Lord, who knows, in your good time, because your clock keeps perfect time, they would bring to fruition your hopes, your dreams, your plans for this place and this, these people. 
Give us this kind of trust in the power of this alpha and omega tree, this tree of hope, this awakening tree, and awaken us to your dreams, not just to make a difference in the world, Lord, but to make a different world for the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, all right, thank you, Lynn. Wow, what a powerful message. A lot to think about, a lot to process. Thank God for podcasts so we can go back and listen and watch that again and gleam all that's in that for all of us. And I really, really appreciate that, Lynn. Thank you so much. Um, I'll take him to the airport tomorrow. You know, yesterday coming, he got to experience Washington, D.C. yesterday. His flight was at 444. I mean, to do that to someone you call a friend. <laughs> but we just stayed in town and ate dinner because it was kind of a long flight home. I mean, drive home. Anyway, guys, it, uh, I'm just so uh, blessed. We're so blessed. Weren't you blessed tonight to be able to, you won't, yeah. You won't get that kind of message from just anybody that comes along. Uh, Lynn Sweet has got, uh, uh, Sam Chan, y'all remember Sam Chan, he said to me, sent me a text in the morning about 4 o'clock, he said, I saw that uh, Lynn Sweet's going to be at your place. He said, he's the most brilliant man I've ever met in my life. And uh, I thought Sam was pretty smart, but uh, I'm just so grateful tonight for that message. And you know what, I want to, I want, you know, I want some buds and some uh, blossoms uh, to bloom after I'm gone. And I'm sure that you can think that through as well and know that we can bear fruit today, uh, but to know that the next generation will be able to um, prosper in some spiritual way because of, of what we plant today. And uh, so anyway, uh, let's get in that sweet spot and let's, uh, let's uh, begin to plant some seeds that will grow into uh, blossoms and uh, buds and uh, will bear fruit somewhere else down the road. And uh, so I appreciate it, and I don't know as much about that as I might know in a couple of days as I think about that. You know, a lot of times Gail will talk to me, it takes me a day to catch up. And uh, that's the way with this message, it'll take me a day to catch up. And I had to take the day and catch up on our conversation coming home last night. But hey, uh, anyway, I want to give him a love offering. Would you like to help give a love offering? I'll tell you, he, get, he came here to, you know, I was embarrassed to tell him how much we'd give him to come because I know how much he's accustomed getting to come. Uh, to a place, and he agreed to come and bless us tonight, and he'll bless us, so tomorrow I'd come back, because God only knows what it'll be like tomorrow uh, for two services, it'll be different than tonight, uh, but we're going to take a love offering as we worship together, if you'll give in that love offering, that will help us take care of uh, Lynn and being here and showing him a little love, uh, and so will you do that and help us tonight, you, uh, you always do, and you're always generous. And we always appreciate it. So let's stand and worship together. And then our ushers will wait on us. You can give the same way uh, you give your tithes and offerings in the same manner. You make a check to Salem Fields, we'll give him one check. Thank you for that. Darkness tries to roar over my bones. Sorrow comes to joy. Chance when I stand in your love. 
Amen. Love you guys so much. Thanks for being here. See you right back here at 9 a.m. Have a great rest of your night.